Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Kiri Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce our special guest today. I'm so happy to announce my first book is now in print. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I explain eight of the 14. I've had some amazing feedback on how easy it is to read and understand. It's not full of technical doctory language like most books written by doctors are. And of course, the book also includes my own personal fatigue story, along with four other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. It's available in paperback and Kindle forms, so if you'd like a copy, you can find it on Amazon or on my website, www.drcary.com. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is just a regular guy who decided to take his health into his own hands, and he lost 180 pounds. His name is Jimmy Moore, so let me tell you a little bit about Jimmy. He catapulted onto the health scene in 2004 after his phenomenal 180-pound weight loss success enabled him to come off of his prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and breathing problems. He is the co-author of the book, Cholesterol Clarity, and the energetic personality behind the uber-popular Live in La Vida low-carb blog and one of the top-ranked iTunes health podcasts, Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. Jimmy, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you. I'm more out hearing you talk about my bio. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jimmy, I have to start with asking you, are you a Ricky Martin fan? Live in La Vida Low Carb. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it was funny because people always ask, you know, where'd you come up with that? I'm like, gee, I wonder where I came up with that. Uh, Yeah, I was a Ricky Martin fan, uh, and it was funny because recently there was like this internet hoax that he had died in a car accident. (laughs) So living La Vida Loca was kind of trending on Twitter, I noticed, and Ricky Martin, I was like, what in the world's going on? And uh, people found my website because of that, so that was kind of funny. But but yes, I am a Ricky Martin fan. I I am too. (laughs) Okay. that song, anyway. Oh, yeah. So, um, Jimmy, can you tell our listeners about yourself and your story? A lot of our listeners have health problems. Some of them specifically are trying to lose weight, but a lot of them are just struggling with other kind of health problems like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, hormone problems, all kinds of different things. So 
tell us about your story and what finally got you to, to really finally focus on getting healthy. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, you're not stuck in a never, never land that you won't come out of. And I can tell you it was about 10 years ago that I myself had to make that decision um, to make a change. And I had to get woken up. And until I woke up, until I realized that the path I was going down was leading me down a one-way path to destruction and possibly dying early, um, I, I had to get serious. And if you're not serious already, uh, let how your health and weight is impacting your quality of life wake you up. Uh, for me, Carrie, it had to be uh, a series of events. People are like, what's that epiphany moment that made you you know, change your life and, and become who you are now? It really wasn't one moment. It was a, a lot of moments. It was kind of a, the cumulative effect, so to speak, of I was a substitute teacher in the fall of 2003, and I was writing the assignment on the board, and this little boy in the back of the room goes, hey, Mr. Moore's really fat. I was like, oh, crap, yeah. <laughs> I was pretty uh, I was pretty shaken by that. Um, and of course, the whole room laughed, and I was laughing to keep from crying. Um, I was also at that same time, about a month later, went to a uh, fall festival at my church where they had all these rides, and one of the things they had was a rock wall. And I was watching all these kids and adults alike kind of climbing up and down like Spider-Man. I thought, well, I could do that. It, it didn't seem like it would be anything for me to do. And keep in mind, at the time, I weighed 410 pounds and didn't realize how bad I had gotten. Okay? So I try to do it, and obviously I cannot do it. Uh, and then getting in and out of cars and ripping pants and just on and on and on, I knew something had to change. But here's where I was uh, in my head at the time. My head was saying, look, if you want to lose weight, here's what you have to do. You have to cut your fat. You have to cut your calories. You have to be hungry. You have to go to the gym an hour a day. All of these things in conventional wisdom that they say you have to do, I had tried. I had done them, found some nominal success here and there, but I had done them, and I was miserable. And so I came to the conclusion, Carrie, that if that was what I had to do to be, quote, unquote, healthy, I would, I would rather be fat and happy then look good and quote-unquote be healthy and feel miserable. So that's where I was in 2000, late 2003 going into 2004. And so how did I find what I'm doing now and what I'm promoting now with a low-carb? At Christmas time, 2003, my mother-in-law gave me a diet book for Christmas. Gee, thanks, Mom. Yes, I know I'm fat. And so she got me Dr. Atkins New Diet Revolution. I read the book from cover to cover between Christmas and New Year's. And I said, this guy is whacked out of his mind. What do you mean cut your carbs? Don't you know that's where you get your energy from? And then I was reading eat more fat. Okay, this guy's really off his rocker. I know he's a cardiologist, but he's saying eat more fat. Doesn't he know that's gonna raise your cholesterol levels? and give you heart disease. These were all the images that I believed at the time. Unfortunately, a lot of people still believe today. But I was like, you know what, what the heck? I had tried every low-fat diet, low-calorie diet, portion control diet, Dexatrim pills, rabbit food. I'd done it all except for this. 
So on January 1st, 2004, I made it my New Year's resolution to lose weight uh, at 410 pounds. And in fact, I had to go to like three different places. I, I think I finally ended up at the Gold's Gym that could measure me. Uh, they, they had a scale that went up to 500 pounds. I was like, well, I'm nowhere near 500 pounds. I stepped on the scale and was 410. Now, keep in mind, I thought I was going to weigh about 330. Wow. But I was 410. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. It, it was a huge cognitive dissonance there that I had to come to grips with. When I saw the four as the first number, I, I was blown away. I, I did not think I was that bad because in my head, 400 pounders were rolling around. They they were they they were invalids. They couldn't get around, and yet I was getting around quite well. Obviously, not great because I was on three prescription medications and and ripping pants and having all these quality of life issues. So I start this diet, this Atkins diet, and, and in January 2004, the first month I lost 30 pounds. Now I'm not gonna lie, it sucked the first couple of days. Um, but once I kind of pushed through it and I realized, you know what, I got to make a change. Um, I pushed through a little bit of pain. Now, now I know how to ward off that pain to help people in those early days when they first start to ease into this. But a lot of people, they'll, they'll feel that pain the first couple of days and they'll go, okay, screw it. I'm just not going to do it. You know, there might be people that started one this year, a new year's resolution. And the first few days they had some pain. They're like, well, I don't want that. So they, they stop. Well, you stop right at about the time that you would have gotten past the pain and to this really awesome feeling of energy and the aches and pains go away and you really feel, quote, normal, perhaps for the first time in your entire life. I know I did. And so I lost the 30 pounds the first month and I was so energetic at a very robust 380 pounds that, that I had to go to the gym to start working out and I, I had a gym membership with my work at the, at the time and so my idea of the workout at 380 pounds was to walk at three miles an hour for 10 to 15 minutes on the treadmill now that doesn't sound like a whole lot now but a 380 pounder I, I tell people I was weightlifting because I was lifting my own body weight that, that's a joke you're supposed to laugh no it's true <laughs> i'm a doctor i don't laugh at these kind of things but i know it's true that you are lifting your own body weight yeah exactly <laughs> so anyway um so i start doing that and i was just huffing and puffing. i'd go at lunch from work and i would come back i'd just be dripping sweat um but it was good for me and i needed to get that energy out of me because i was just so pent up energy that it just needed to come out so i lost another 40 pounds by the end of the second month, by the end of 100 days, had lost 100 pounds. And it was at that point, I'm like, hmm, there's something kind of special about what I'm doing. <laughs> and it wasn't just the weight loss um, effects that were kind of getting my attention. I was also coming off of most of those medications I was taking. The breathing medication, I came off of pretty darn quick. I stopped wheezing about a month in, so I didn't need the Advair anymore. So I chunked that out the window. Then I noticed I would get up off the couch and I would start blocking out. And my wife's like, are you still taking those blood uh, pressure medications? And I was like, yeah. She said, stop and let's see what happens. So I came off of those and I was fine. My blood pressure was completely normal within about three months. And then about nine months in, I came off of the statin drug for the cholesterol 
and I have been so healthy. I, I did end up at, at the end of that year losing a total of 180 pounds off of my body. But to me, Carrie, even more important than the weight loss has got to be the health gain. Yeah. And that's my message now. I try to get people to de-emphasize weight and put the emphasis on real foods that will make your health better. If you do that, your health gets better. You have this neat little side effect called weight loss that happens. Um, it's not a magical thing that happens for everybody, but most people who start eating real whole foods that nourish their bodies, that improve their health, lower their inflammation, lower their blood sugar levels, will find weight loss happen too. You know, Jimmy, I love your story, and I know a lot of our listeners are resonating with it, with, you know, coming to, it was struggling with all of these different things, and and some of them are, are wanting to lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds or 100 or more. Some of them are struggling with other problems other than weight, but yeah. do you feel like this was the hardest thing you've had to do? How much of it do you, do you think was, was in your head and had to really do with mindset? I think the biggest struggle uh, with this was, yeah, changing everything I thought I believed about nutrition and health and fitness. Um, like I said it, during my story, I thought that to lose weight and to get healthy, the default was low fat, low calorie, portion control, eat like a rabbit, um, never have any thing fun to eat ever again <laughs> go to the the uh, doc, uh, go to the uh, yeah go to the doctor a lot yeah that's for sure too but go to the gym and work out almost on a daily basis all of those things were and I'm sure it's uh, the same for your listeners that was the default that's what you think of when somebody says you need to get healthy and you need to start eating better that's what people think about and so this whole idea of eating less carbs eating more fat, um, eating delicious foods that are that are usually sinful on most diets and yet losing weight and finding health improvements it totally did a paradigm shift in my head and it's partly why I became so passionate about this subject that I wanted to start writing about it on my blog doing a, a radio show a podcast show and now writing books about it I'm just so super passionate because this kind of information is not getting out there to the general public. The very people, the very patients like myself who stand to benefit from this, they're being blocked out from hearing this information. And so I'm dedicating the rest of my life and my work to trying to help those people become empowered themselves. I love it. And as you're talking about a low carb approach for our, for our listeners out there, I did a podcast interview last month with Ellen Davis and I'll put her link in the podcast notes because she spoke about the the ketogenic diet, which is similar to a low carb low carb diet. It's basically eating uh, a healthy amount of healthy fats, low carbs, and a moderate amount of protein, and how that can dramatically change your health. It's amazing how it can change your health, and again, it's information you're just not going to hear because most mainstream uh, medical professionals are going to say. Well, that's a dangerous diet because you're going to raise your uh, saturated fat intake, which is going to raise your LDL and total cholesterol, which is a cardiovascular risk marker, on and on and on. What they're not telling you is it's, it's also a cardiovascular risk improver because 
eating that fat will raise your HDL cholesterol, which is a great marker, uh, the, the so-called good cholesterol, as they call it. It also lowers your triglycerides when you uh, combine it with a reduced-carb intake. Um, you lower inflammation levels. You lower ins fasting insulin levels. You lower blood sugar. All of these things are incredible markers in your health, and yet most doctors tend to only focus on total cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, and if you have numbers in a range that they th think are dastardly, they're going to be prescribing a drug. There's something wrong with this system. There's a lot of research behind this movement of low-carb, high-fat, moderate protein. There's a lot of solid research behind it. So for our listeners out there, if you haven't learned about this, and it sounds like voodoo, sounds like woo-woo, like how could that be true? It is, it is true. Yeah, and um, one of the books that you didn't mention in my bio, but it's my latest one. It's uh, the best-selling book I've ever written. Um, it's called Keto Clarity, and in the back of, of Keto Clarity, we list 185 scientific studies that have looked at the low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet and its effect on various parts of health. So absolutely, there's a lot of research. There's a lot more on the way, a lot more in the pipe, uh, the pipe right now that's going to be coming in the coming years. There's a group called NUSI.org, if you want to look them up, Nutrition Science Initiative. And they're doing studies. It's uh, $50 million worth of research that's kind of going on right now. I believe they have, it's either three or four active studies that are happening right now. And these are not just observational, epidemiological, or mice studies. This is randomized, controlled clinical trials of actual patients. This is the only kind of research you ever need to pay attention to. If you see a headline that says, Atkins diet leads to cancer. Red meat's going to kill you tomorrow if you eat it today. You know, we see all those dastardly headlines. Always look at what kind of study it is, and you want to look for randomized controlled trial. That's RCT. That's the gold standard in research. And unless it's an RCT, it's not really reliable or applicable to you as a human. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see that coming down the pike here in the next few years. That's fantastic. So for our listeners, I'll make sure to put those links in the podcast notes. So while you're driving and listening to this, you don't, you know, try and write this down somewhere on your phone. Keto Clarity and NUSI.org. I'll put that in the podcast notes. So Jimmy, can you give us an idea of what do you eat for breakfast? <laughs> this is a very popular question. Uh, people are like, what do you eat? Uh, and, and what they usually say, they, they kind of um, frame it in language like you just did, Carrie. They say, well, what do you have for breakfast? And one, then what's your snack in the morning? And then what's your lunch and your mid-afternoon snack? And what's your dinner and after-dinner snack and midnight snack? And I'm going, I don't eat that way anymore <laughs> because I don't have to. Um, I eat foods that are so nourishing to my body that I probably only need to eat one, maybe two times a day at the most, and very rarely do I snack. Um, and and look at the word breakfast, for example. What how, what, what is that? You Breaking have to break the fast. The fast. Yeah. So I agree, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I just don't think it needs to be in the morning necessarily. Uh -huh. So if you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry, then by golly, don't eat. Why, why would you eat if you're not physiologically hungry? So maybe you can go to 10, 11, 12, even 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and okay, I'm feeling a little bit peckish now. I should probably eat something. 
So sometimes I'll eat 12 or 1 o'clock, and that will be my first meal of the day. Sometimes it's my only meal of the day. And so if it's my only meal of the day, I need to make sure I've got plenty of calories in that meal because you definitely want to, don't want to be in a hypocaloric state. Uh, you know, some people, that they say, well, I, I have to eat every few hours because I'm so hungry. I'm like, if you're getting hungry every few hours, let's take a look at what you're eating. Is it mostly carbohydrate foods? And, and you know, you, you could have a bowl of fruit. You're going to be hungry a couple hours later because that's all carbohydrate. That's sugar. Yes, it's natural sugar, but it's still sugar, and your body's going to respond accordingly. So I, I love with my Friday uh, podcast co-host, I, I do a Friday show called Low Carb Conversations, and my co-host is a dietitian. Uh, named Cassie Bjork, and she has this concept called PFC balance. So she wants her clients to eat a protein, a fat, and a carbohydrate together. You never want to eat just a carbohydrate all by itself because that's going to raise the blood glucose levels faster and, and create more of a response than if you ate it with fat and protein, for example. So uh, what that looks like is maybe a slice of apple with some almond butter on top. So you've got carbohydrate, fat, and protein, and and there it is. So you asked what I eat, though, so let's get back to that. <laughs> yeah, what do you eat? That's what we want to know. So when I do eat, um, I'm very carbohydrate sensitive. You don't get to weigh 400 plus pounds uh, without having some form of carbohydrate sensitivity or my insulin resistance. I, I still battle that today, and, and that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I often joke with people I've already eaten all the carbs I've been allowed to eat for my entire life, the first 32 years of my life, so now the rest of my life I have to keep them really low. But So I like to cook up in a pan some eggs. So I'll put some grass-fed butter in a skillet, and I'll cook up four eggs in there. I'll cook them over easy because uh, I like the yolks all runny. And then on top of that, I'll throw some cheese, some hard cheese. Uh, American cheese is not cheese. Velveeta is not cheese. Definitely get the hard cheeses and the full fat kind. Don't eat the low fat cheese. So I'll melt that on top of the eggs. And then on top of that, I will put some sour cream. I'll have a whole avocado. And if I want a little more fat and protein, maybe some bacon or sausage on the side. Now, a lot of people are probably having their eyes bug out right about now and going, man, that's a lot of calories. But keep in mind, if that's the only meal I eat the entire day, that meal is about 16 to 1800 calories. So how many calories would you normally eat in a day if you had breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, midnight snack? I would argue you'd have even more than me. I agree. So... And I'm satisfied with that. And the neat thing about that is people are like, well, you're starving. I'm like, no, that's the cool thing. When you have that much fat in your diet, you feel so satisfied. All of the cravings go away. The hunger goes away. And this is a shock. This, this kind of goes against a lot of the cultural norms of where we have breakfast time. We have a, a lunch break at work. We have dinner time with the family. Uh, you know, you go to the movies, you, you have to eat something when you're watching a movie. It's almost a, an American rite of passage. So, so, I mean, I'm trying to break a lot of paradigms that people believe to be inherently true. And it's time to change that and listen to your bi biology tell you when it's time to eat, not when the clock tells you it's time to eat. 
You know, I, I have a great example to give our listeners too from from uh, my perspective. Yeah. I've I've never had a weight problem. I've always been really thin my whole life. My problem has always been hypoglycemia, having low blood sugar. Yeah. And so I would have to eat every couple of hours like I'm eating all day long. And if I don't eat, I become really bitchy. And let me tell you, my husband, he'll be like, okay, Carrie, I know I need to get you some food right now. And so um, I, I don't know who I was listening to. It was a medical doctor and she was talking about uh, diet and getting more healthy fat. And so I tried her smoothie recipe and I've modified it. So at this point, it's a couple of handfuls of spinach, yeah. a half a cup of blueberries and then I'll put in three raw eggs organic and I'll put in one or two tablespoons of ghee and one or two tablespoons of coconut butter one or two tablespoons of some kind of a nut butter and then uh, one or two tablespoons of raw cacao powder and I'll add a little bit of coconut water to that and I'll blend that up and what I have found since I've started this smoothie recipe is that I am satisfied for five or six hours now. Whereas before I would have a smoothie, like a quote normal smoothie with uh, fruit and uh, some kind of uh, coconut water or almond milk or something. I would usually feel hungry within an hour. I'm already hungry, but this new smoothie with all of the fat in it, it, it keeps me going for five, six hours easy. Yes. And that's the key. I think we have become so fat phobic because we've been told fat is going to lead to all these health problems that people have obediently cut fat out of their diet or or even worse, Carrie, they've replaced the quote unquote bad fats, the saturated fats with the quote unquote good fats, the vegetable oil fats. So we have all this corn oil and mazola. Uh, and and soybean oil in the mayonnaise that we eat and all all these fats that that people uh, have turned to because they've been promoted as the healthy fats and yet those are the very fats that are causing more damage to your body than real food based fats like butter and coconut oil and lard and tallow and full fat uh, meats and cheeses and cream all of these things are incredibly healthy for you but they've been demonized if people would simply go back to eating like great grandma we'd probably be a whole lot healthier than we are now i agree i agree so jamie let's talk a little bit about mindset can you give our listeners one fantastic tip about mindset when it comes to facing challenges with your health Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, you just have to visualize the end game. I think too many people in the moment of going on a diet, which I hate that terminology, but that's kind of the terminology of our day. When they go on the diet, they're just in the here and now. And I think when you go into the future in your head and you say, why am I doing this? What what is my why? Why is this so important to me? And I, I would even challenge you. Write it down on a piece of paper. Write it down, uh, put it prominently with a Sharpie on on a piece of paper and put it prominently on on your refrigerator, on your front door, wherever you go every single day and look at your why. And anytime you get discouraged and you feel like this isn't worth it, look at that why yet again because I think that's going to keep you on the straight and narrow. It's going to remind you of what this is really all about. It's not about this momentary struggle, this momentary 
craving you're having and you just don't know what to do and you're just ready to throw in the towel, let's take a look at the why of what you're doing and that's going to keep you uh, focused and you're going to be successful in the end. So Jimmy, do you mind sharing with us, this is a little bit personal, but do you mind sharing a little bit about what your big why is? My big why is I don't want to suffer the same fate as my brother. At the age of 41, my brother died of heart disease, morbid obesity. Um, What else did he have, Christine? Oh, yeah, uh, of the diabetes as well. I was talking to my wife, Christine. (laughs) Um, and, And all of these really bad things in his health, and it was all preventable. It was all stuff that didn't need to happen, but it did happen. And my why uh, and my purpose and and what keeps me focused is I want to save the Kevins of the world. Kevin was his name. Um, This happened in 2008, and and it really shook me um, really hard because he's my only full-blooded brother. And and I'm committed now more than ever to educate people, give them good quality information because they need it. They need it now more than ever. With all of these uh, things happening, the diabetes rates getting worse, obesity getting worse, heart disease getting worse, something has got to give. And people are catching on that something's wrong about what we're doing. And so an alternative path needs to rise to the forefront, and I'm trying to articulate that alternative path to people. Me too, and that's why I love doing these podcasts and having guests like you on to help educate the masses. So, Jimmy, is there one book out there that you can recommend to our listeners that is not your book? <laughs> because we'll get to your books. I was going to say, Keto Clarity is really <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think uh, on, on the subject of just general health or what would be the subject? How about the book that has been most influential on you? Well, obviously, I have to go back to the original book that I read that changed my life, and that was Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. And, and let me just say as an aside here, don't buy the Atkins products, like the bars and the shakes and the frozen meals and the frozen pizzas and thinking you're doing the Atkins diet. That is not the Atkins diet. If you go back and read Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution or even its predecessor, Dr. Atkins' Diet Revolution from the 1970s, it is a far different book than this company that has bought the name Atkins Nutritionals and they're peddling all these products that are really harming people. I'm I'm committed to sharing the truth about this. Yeah, their name is Atkins, but they are uh, only in name only. Let's put it that way. Um, They do not resemble, I think, what Dr. Atkins' mission was when he wrote his original books. So uh, that's an aside. But definitely Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. I guess um, as one that was really influential in terms of since I started doing this and kind of got me really thinking uh, even more deeply about this. There's actually several, it's not really fair because I've interviewed literally hundreds of people (laughs) that have books on this stuff. But um, I think Gary Taubes' Good Calories, Bad Calories from back in 2007 was a really dense read, but it was so full of information that people need to know about how we got into this mess to begin with, with nutrition. I did uh, actually convince him to write a consumer friendly version of that. So if you're not real, geeky and you want a, a consumer-friendly version of Good Calories, Bad Calories, he did write one a couple of years after that called Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It that was uh, really, really good. As far as newer books, I think 2013, the, the best book that came out last year was a book by Nina Teicholz called 
the big fat surprise. And she told a lot of the stories about how Crisco got on our shelves and the Ansel Keys, how he promoted low fat diets and, and improving cholesterol supposedly and how we got the whole diet heart hypothesis that now still exists in 2015. Um, just so many great uh, uh, stories in that book. Definitely worth picking up just for that. So, uh, yeah, there's so many people doing great work right now. And then the whole paleo movement that's come along in the last few years has really got people excited. So I'm just honored to be a part of it all. Jimmy, thanks so much for all those recommendations. And for our listeners out there, I'll put all of those links in the podcast notes. And like you, Jimmy, I really believe that it is about empowering people with the information. So we're starting to run low on time. So let's talk about your books. And Jimmy, how can our listeners find out about you? And uh, where can they get your books? Sure. So I actually have four books. I self-published a couple of books until a major publisher finally said, hey, we want you to write books for us. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, 2013, I released one called Cholesterol Clarity, What the HDL is Wrong with My Numbers. Um, it is a very <laughs> consumer-friendly book, as you can tell from the subtitle. I tried to get people's attention and give them uh, information in language that they would understand but yet still adhering to the science. My co-author is a medical doctor at Duke University, also a, a researcher in the low-carb diet, so he's, uh, he's got the credentials himself. And then I went and found a whole bunch of experts on this subject, uh, 29 in all, for cholesterol clarity, um, to write the real story about cholesterol. And so we have a website for cholesterol clarity, cholesterolclarity.com. And then in 2014, I followed up Cholesterol Clarity with Keto Clarity, talking about ketogenic diets and ketosis. Um, it really was the first book uh, that was ever out there that looked at how to do a ketogenic diet, why you want to do a ketogenic diet. When I was looking and doing my research for my book, I found uh, you know several books on weight loss, like Dr. Atkins's book mentioned ketosis. And then a, a couple of books on epilepsy control because we uh, we know ketogenic diets are very effective at controlling seizures in children with epilepsy. But other than those two things, you didn't really see a whole lot about the diabetes control with a ketogenic diet or the emerging sciences coming about cancer and and Alzheimer's disease and some of these other you know more major diseases. But even beyond those chronic diseases. Um, just the day-to-day -day kind of hunger control, uh, memory, uh, mood, all of these things get improved with a ketogenic diet. So we articulated that in Keto Clarity. Uh, it barely, just barely missed hitting the New York Times bestsellers list by like one or two spots. I was so bummed. Uh, but, but it was a, a really good book, and it's still doing very well. You can learn more about that one at KetoClarity.com. That's K-E-T-O Clarity. Com. And as far as the rest of my work, my blog, my podcast, and everything else that I do, you can visit livinlavidalowcarb.com, or if you just Google my name, Jimmy Moore, J-I-M-M-Y-M-O-O-R-E, then you can find uh, pretty much that whole first page is all my stuff. Fantastic, Jimmy. I know that our listeners will really get a lot of great information from all of the things you have to offer. So I want to thank you for being such a great guest today. This has been such an awesome interview. 
Thank you. I've, I've had a little practice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Jimmy Moore. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drisga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drisga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.